Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another episode of the 1085 Grand Podcast. It is episode number 101. Uh, you won't find any Dalmatians on this episode, but, uh, you know, we're here, obviously, to talk Browns, and I can't do this alone. Always joined by my co-host, Jack McCurry of the North Coast Sports. How are you doing today, Jack? I'm doing well, but that was a very bad pun on your I, part. I know, I know. It was terrible. I was trying to find a way... <laughs> transition out of that horrible pun but i just i couldn't find one um ho- hopefully you know our, our second hundred episodes is getting off to a, a rocking start after that that terrible joke um all right you know obviously uh, we're here to talk browns we have a lot to discuss as always uh there's never an off season when it comes to the nfl and especially the cleaver browns so uh let's, let's jump right in this and uh, we had some uh, a nice signing uh, the other day when the Cleveland Browns re-signed left tackle Greg Robinson to a one-year deal. Uh, is worth $7 million uh, as a base. It could be worth up to $9 million with playing incentives. Um, obviously, if you listen to this podcast recently, I was pretty adamant that the Browns needed to uh, re-sign him or sign somebody else for free agency. I wasn't thrilled with taking somebody in a first-rounder or – or going back into next season with Desmond Harrison as the left tackle. But obviously Greg Robinson will be back this season. Um, is this the, the end-all, be-all uh, for, for this offseason? Do you expect any more moves uh, in, in terms of maybe drafting somebody to sit behind Greg Robinson? Or um, if Greg Robinson performs at a high level this year, do you expect – the, the Browns to give him a, a long-term deal after this one. Well, I think essentially looking at it, you know, Robinson aside, it's a, it's a prove it deal. And if he does play well enough, I fully expect that the Browns will open up long-term negotiations with Robinson and his representation. Um, do I think that this will settle the left tackle position? No. And I think it's apparent when you look at, you know, some of the the reports coming out of the combine, they're meeting with some of the top offensive tackles in the draft. Uh, Andre Dilliard out of Washington State, Jawan Taylor out of Florida have both stated today that they've met with the Browns already at, and, uh, at the uh, NFL combine. So I think that John Dorsey knows that he's got Baker Mayfield. He's got to surround him with skilled players and he's got to surround him with a solid offensive line up front that's going to protect him because – Dorsey knows that Mayfield is the most important player on the Browns roster uh, as he is the franchise quarterback and he's going to do everything he can to surround him with talent. Like I said to, you know, he can give the ball to or 
that'll protect Mayfield. So um, I would expect that they're going to draft an offensive lineman at some point in the draft. Uh, it could be at 17. It could be in the later rounds. But I do expect them to continue to search for that franchise left tackle. Now, it may be Greg Robinson, but uh, I could see a scenario where if all goes well, they move on from Chris Hubbard, slide Robinson over to right tackle. And if they do draft a guy like Dilliard or Taylor, those guys will eventually become the left tackle for the long term. You know, this is, you know, obviously, you know, you're, you're not going to replace a Hall of Famer and Joe Thomas right away. But, uh, you know, Robinson did a fairly decent job uh, last season when he when they put him into the starting lineup. A lot of it was uh, scheme related with Freddie Kitchens and what he was able to do uh, to help him out. A lot of it was Baker Mayfield with how quickly uh, he got rid of the ball. Um, so they did some things to help out the offensive line. Uh, but, you know, it was nice to see uh, Greg play well. Obviously, he was on his, was it, third team in four years, I think it was, and after being a first-round pick. Um, so it was nice to see him bounce back. Hopefully, he could continue to do so. Um, you know, if, if for some reason they can't, if they don't draft anyone this season uh, and you head into next offseason uh, with the same question, um, and, and say he plays well. Now, it's going to cost uh, a lot of money to, to keep him around uh, next offseason. Um, in that case, do you go all in in terms of Greg Robinson if he plays very well, or would you just rather them uh, hit the draft in, in, 20, uh, in 2020 and just draft a little rookie left, left tackle and go that way? Well, I think if he plays well, that the Browns are going to give him a long-term contract. He's still only, I think, 26 years old, so there's still a lot of football left in Greg Robinson. So I would think they sign a multi-year deal with him. Uh, they move Chris Hubbard and you know, just to help them financially because obviously they're going to have to allocate their money to other positions. I think Jack Duffin said that 21% of our cap goes to our offensive line right now. Obviously, Zeitler will come off the books in a couple years, and so will Batonio and Treader. Um, so I, I would obviously re-sign Robinson because he's still fairly young, and if he performs up to uh, the level that you would give him a multi-year deal. Uh, but <clears throat> I wouldn't. I would go towards the draft to find a right tackle then because if Robinson's performing well enough at left tackle, then you go ahead and you just go ahead and find that right tackle. And then you obviously have Corbett who's going to be on the interior part of the offensive line. So, you know, the future of the offensive line isn't, it's in a good spot right now, but I think as we go forward, if Robinson performs well enough, I think the line will be uh, good for the future as well. They'll definitely take uh, a lineman uh, in this draft uh, at some point, maybe even two. Uh, my guess would be on day two or day three, uh, like they did last year. Um, you know, th this offensive line lacks any kind of depth, uh, I believe. And, you know, if somebody gets hurt, you need to have somebody to get in there. So, um, and, and it's also nice to have guys sitting and developing as well. You know, Austin Corbett. He, he did play uh, a little bit, but obviously they didn't ask him to start any games last year. Um, they, they got him involved a little bit, but if you're able to uh, 
draft and develop guys and, and let them sit for a couple of years behind the guys that are already there, like a Greg Robinson, like a Treader, like a Betonio. And, you know, when those guys' contracts are up and you're able to slide uh, the new guys right in there, um, you know, that's extremely beneficial to the team. And it helps out with the cap situation as well, uh, keeps those cap numbers low. So there's a lot of benefits to doing that. And, you know, you and I have talked about it a lot, and we talked about it with Steven uh, when he was on. That's why the, the Steelers are so good is that they draft and, and develop guys and uh, across all positions on the football field. That's what they've done for, for many years, and uh, that's why the, the Patriots are so good. They're able to do that as well. Uh, and if the Browns want to have a, a long-term uh, success in the NFL – uh, in, in terms of competing for championships, they're going to have to do the same thing. Uh, draft to develop guys. And, you know, I think that starts with the offensive line this offseason. Um, while it is nice to have Greg back, uh, they're obviously going to be looking. Uh, Dorsey said today uh, he's gonna be, he has to look three, four years down the road in terms of free agency and draft and whatnot. Um they did sign Greg Robinson. However, one of their other free agents, uh, Rashad Perriman, those negotiations aren't exactly going too well. Uh, Mr. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus uh, seems to want a multi-year deal for uh, Perriman, while um, the, the Browns are more on the one-year uh, proven deal, kind of like they did with Greg Robinson. Uh, you wrote an article about how this is turning into Terrell Pryor 2.0 with Rashad Perriman. You want to go ahead and expand on that? Yeah, and, you know, credit to Lane Adkins of the Orange and Brown Report. He tweeted it out on Tuesday, and he said, Rosenhaus is screwing up another wide receiver client of his. And he he expanded on that and said that they offered him a very fair deal, much like they did with Robinson, and, yeah. Rosenhaus is playing his game. Uh, everybody remembers two years ago, you know, when Terrell Pryor came off of a thousand yard season, Rosenhaus, you know, tried to get 13 to 15 million per season for Pryor after one 1,000 yard season. The Browns were offering him 8.5 million per year. Um, ultimately, the Browns gave that money to Kenny Britt. We all know how that ended. Terrell Pryor went to Washington, had an injury plague season was at the Jets last year, was hurt again, and he's currently a free agent. And he was on the Tomahawk podcast during Super Bowl week and said that he wished he would have stayed with Cleveland, but he was given bad advice. And, you know, this is the game Rosenhaus tries to play. He's essentially the Scott Boris of the National Football League when it comes to agents, and uh, he's trying to get the most money and out of his clients and he's got several clients that are on the Browns roster and we've dealt with him in the past with Johnny Manziel and Isaiah Crowell among others you know Perriman's good but I don't see how you can try to get a multi-year contract out of a guy that a year ago was getting cut by Baltimore and then he only lasted a week in Washington uh, the Browns utilized him perfectly to his skill set but in no way should they be trying to give him a multi-year contract. I think a one-year prove-it deal is perfect for him. But, you know, Rosenhaus is trying to play his game. So uh, I wouldn't expect at this point Perriman coming back with the Browns. But, you know, there's still two weeks, still free agency. So we'll see how things end up. 
It, the only way I would do a multi-year thing, and, and let me know if you agree with this, is that it, say he signs for three years, $21 million, uh, so to say, and the first year is completely guaranteed, but the next two years are not. It, that way he gets a, a, a three-year deal, and then essentially he has to prove it every year because if he gets cut, he really doesn't get anything after the season. I mean, that would make sense for the Browns, but I don't know if Rosenhaus would be willing to do something like that. Um, you know, Pete Smith and Jeff Lloyd over on Lockdown Browns were alluding to this, that, you know, a lot of Rosenhaus's clients end up going broke quickly after football's over. And, I think he's trying to get the most money so that, you know, he's sitting well, well, Drew and his brother that, you know, they run the same agency together. So I think, you know, a multi-year deal like that would benefit the Browns. But, you know, Rosenhaus doesn't play that game. If he's going to do a multi-year deal, he's going to want guaranteed money in all three years, not just one year. Are there more than one Rosenhauses in terms of agents? Have I, yeah. Have I completely I, missed that? I yeah, always thought there was just one. Yeah, there's there's two. Uh, Jason, his brother. Yeah, they both run the same uh, clientele. So okay. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, it's Drew well, and Jason. Well, one of their clients just got 13 years and $330 million today, but this is a football podcast, not a baseball one. Uh, so we won't discuss that. Um, but anyway, you know, it, it would be um, a terrible thing if, you know, Rosenhaus, you know, ruins Perriman kind of like he did prior. And I, I would like to see Perriman back. Um, you know, I thought he did some very, some nice things uh, in this offense once they brought him over. Uh, obviously, he was a huge home run threat. Um, it would be nice to see if he could t- continue to develop and do that role even more so. Uh, you know, obviously, once you get more chemistry, you know, with Baker Mayfield, you, you – get into Freddie Kitchen's offense a little bit more. Uh, I think he'd be extremely beneficial to the Browns, but we'll, we'll see how that goes uh, from here on out. All right. Um, you know, the NFL combine this week, and would you have a lot of uh, team officials and general managers in one place? Uh, trade talks start to, to really ramp up, and, you know, a lot of guys' names start to get thrown out there as potentially being on the block. And a few names that are out there, I, I think we should really keep our uh, eyes on. You know, obviously the, the Odell Beckham stuff and Antonio Brown stuff won't go away. But uh, there were some other names that have come out over the last couple of days that I think would make a lot of sense uh, for the Browns. First is a guy that I, I believe Dorsey drafted. You could correct me if I'm wrong, which I might be. Uh, but... Uh, is linebacker Justin Houston uh, with the Chiefs. Obviously, uh, you know, another pass rusher and, and whatnot. Jack, how, how great of a fit would Justin Houston be on this Browns defense who carries a, a nice cap hit over the next couple of seasons? Oh, he, he would be a great fit. I mean, we talked about it on the last episode when we broke down all the franchise tag uh, options that the Browns need another pass rusher on that defensive front, and Houston ultimately would bring that. Uh, Dorsey didn't draft him, but he did give him the contract that he's currently uh, on right now with the Chiefs, six years, $101 million. 
He's got two years left at around $33 million. Um, This would actually be good for the Browns. He has a $21.1 million cap hit, but if he's traded or cut before June 1st, the Chiefs have to take a $7.1 million dead cap hit. So the Browns would essentially only be taking $14 million of the cap hit. And obviously right now they're around $73 million in cap space after the Robinson signing. So they would be able to do that. There's a few other teams. The Colts, uh, Chris Ballard, the GM there, was also in Kansas City with Dorsey with Houston. So uh, I can see them going after him as well as they build up their defense. But, uh, you know, Houston, he's been hurt the last few years, but when he's on the field, he's one of the best pass rushers, and he has a knack for forcing fumbles. He uh, has some big, long arms and is able to uh, knock the ball out of quarterback's hands. So if you got him and Miles Garrett uh, matched up together on the defensive front, it would be a scary situation, much like we talked about with uh, getting guys like Clowney or Frank Clark and free agency. And uh, because of... Uh, the cap hit that he carries and um, his salary situation from my understanding and what I've seen a few people discuss online is it wouldn't take too high of a draft pick to get him. Maybe a third, maybe a fourth, maybe a fifth, uh, somewhere in that range uh, to get Justin Houston. Uh, You know, he is, I think you said, well, he's 30, 31 years old. Uh, You know, he's probably starting to be on the, on the downside. Um, It would be a great move if they could somehow pull that off. Uh, Another guy uh, that was mentioned being on the trade block is that the Eagles are open to moving wide receiver uh, Nelson Aguilar. Um, You know, the Eagles cap situation is not a friendly one, uh, from my understanding. And, you know, this could be one of the many moves that they make to maybe try and get younger, uh, try to shed some of the... Um, cap that some of the cap is that they do have, um, you know, it's probably unlikely that Ronald Darby is going to be back for them as well. Um, but when you look at Nelson Aguilar, uh, in terms of receiver over the last couple of seasons, he has about 1500 yards total. Um, you know, he's not, I believe he's on the end of his uh, rookie deal here. And so Jack, do you think that he could fit in with this wide receiver crew to, uh, on the Browns, that seems to be uh, pretty full nowadays. Yeah, I mean, if we get rid of Bashad Perriman, uh, for the Browns, I think, need to address the wide receiver position regardless. I mean, you have Landry, you have Higgins, you have Callaway, uh, but you you can never uh, turn down a potential playmaker. And Aguilar has shown flashes in the Eagles' offense that he could be a playmaker. Um Hasn't really lived up to the hype when he was drafted in the first round back in 2015. Um, He's carrying a $9.3 million cap hit. And obviously, like you said, the Eagles uh, have to make some financial moves. We'll talk about another one here later on in the show. But, you know, Aguilar, is he worth that money? Absolutely not. You look at his production, but... You know, Dorsey's taking chances on guys like, you know, like Demarius Randall's prime example uh, didn't pan out as a first round pick for the Packers. We were able to trade Deshaun Kaiser for him and it turned into a home run trade for the Browns. Randall's probably going to get an extension from the Browns this offseason. He's one of the big time players on our defense. You know, if the Browns take a chance on Aguilar, get Kitchens finds the right role for him offensively and he can be a playmaker. He's still only 25 years old, so 
there's still time for Aguilar to turn into something in the National Football League as a wide receiver. So uh, the Browns like to take chances on guys like this. Uh, I'd be all for it. Would you rather have Rashad Perriman on a one-year proven deal, Nelson Aguilar on a, or Nelson Aguilar on a one-year proven deal where it would cost you a draft pick in return? Well, obviously, uh, I love draft picks. Uh, most Cleveland fans do. So I would prefer to keep Perriman just because he's familiar with the system. But um, I think at this point, I don't think Perriman will be back. So I wouldn't mind giving up a one of our fifth-round picks. We have three of them. So I wouldn't mind flipping one of them to Philadelphia to try to get uh, um, Aguilar, bring him in to see what he can do. Yeah, you know, another thing with this contract situation, it runs out after the end of 2019, so he'll be a unrestricted free agent after the season. And another guy uh, who is on the trade block is also in that situation, and that is cornerback Trey Waynes of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, he was their starting uh, corner, one of their starting cornerbacks uh, on that Vikings defense, who under uh, Mike Zimmer up there has done a, a really good job. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the quarterback situation hasn't really worked out for him. But, uh, you know, Trey is also uh, an unrestricted free agent. Uh, he's making a little over $9 million this season. Um, you know, it's interesting that he, his name is also creeping up on uh, trade discussions as well. I, I think uh, a third or fourth round pick will probably get it done for the, another former first round pick. Um Jack, if you were to add Trey Waynes to this uh, defense opposite side of Denzel Ward, how comfortable would you be uh, having those two guys as your bookend corners? I think it's got plenty of potential to be one of the top cornerback duos in the league. I mean, you look at Trey Waynes, uh, you know, started out slow as a first-round pick. Um, you know, the last couple of years he's come on. Last year was his best year, according to Pro Football Focus. One of the top run defending corners. He's uh, second in the league since entering the league and run stops as a corner, only behind Kareem Jackson. So, I mean, and he's progressively getting better. You know, you had Xavier Rhodes there and in Minnesota, and then you drafted Mike Hughes in the first round last year. You drafted Mackenzie Alexander a couple years ago. Um, so, obviously, the Vikings have depth at the cornerback position. And I think if they're shopping Trey Wayne's Trey Wayne's around tells me that they're not, he's not in their plans long-term because they want to get Alexander and Hughes more playing time. Um, you know, I don't think that's necessarily saying that Wayne's is a bad player. Cause you look at his numbers, he's not a bad player. Um, you look at the Brown situation, they have multiple third round picks, multiple fifth round picks. Uh, I can see, you know, Dorsey doing what he did last year when he had a lot of draft picks to flip them for some proven veteran players. Um, Cause I don't see them drafting 10 rookies and bringing them into camp again uh, with the talent that's already on this roster. So, you know, I'd be down with bringing Trey Waynes in here. Him and Ward would be a nice duo in the secondary. Um, I, you know, he's scheduled to make 9 million, much like Aguilar, so if they were to bring in Waynes, I could see a scenario where they would cut TJ Carey, who's got a high cap number, and that would free up some money and they'd be able to go use that money in to fill in other holes on the defense or offensive side of the ball. 
You know, I, I kind of wanted to, I, I was thinking about this last night, you know, it, sometimes, some nights it takes me forever to fall asleep. I'm, I'm thinking of random stuff like this. You know, it, it would, uh, I think, be beneficial for the Browns to, uh, you know, you mentioned how they have 10 draft picks. If they were to flip some of these fourth rounders, some of these uh, fifth rounders, uh, you know, the rest of the day three picks on guys uh, who have one year left on their contract or, or even two years left on their contract that have potential to be really good. Uh, you know, down the road, those players could turn into uh, third round uh, compensatory picks. And I think that's a game that a lot of general managers play is to, you know, yeah, I'll take a chance on, on signing this guy to a one-year deal. Uh, but if he signs a, if he has a good season and signs long-term with another team after that one-year deal, uh, you know they always, you know, there's a draft pick coming their way after that. So I, I think that's a an interesting way to look at, at least to me, you know, like the Brashad Perriman thing. If he signs a one-year deal, plays really well, and is able to, you know, get a long-term deal from another team. You know, the Browns will be getting a, a draft pick in return uh, in the following draft. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at it and, you know, think back to when Sashi took over and they let guys like Alex Mack, Travis Benjamin, and those guys go. We were able to get extra picks in the third, fourth, and fifth round. You know, you got to look at that down the road and you talk about, you know, John Dorsey saying that he's looking at as a multi year. He's looking down the road two, three, four years. If he lets some of these free agents go, you know, if they don't pan out, then you get comp picks and then you can use those picks to trade for other players or draft talent and fill in, you know, you add depth to the roster. So, you know, everybody wants us to go for it. You know, essentially, yeah, it would be nice because the window is and we're in a good window with Baker on a cheap deal and Miles and Denzel and others on a cheap deal. But you still have to think two, three, four years down the road as well. All right, let's talk a, a little more about the combine. And um, John Dorsey uh, spoke today, and he really thinks highly of this draft class. He, he thinks there's a, a lot of depth uh, on day two and day three. Um, you know, the, the pass rushing class and the defensive line class really uh, helps that with uh, how many uh, of those guys that there are in this draft. Um, it's also a good uh, a cornerback class. It's not a very heavy linebacker class, uh, but the, the offensive line class also seems to be uh, gaining some steam in terms of, of quality prospects. Uh, you know, as we, we've talked about Dorsey looking you know, two, three, four years down the road. Uh, and, and we kind of talked about it earlier with Greg Robinson. Um, do you expect that the Browns to do most of their damage early on in the draft, or do you expect them to do most of their damage day two and day three? I think that, you know, like I said, they have multiple picks in the third and fifth round. You know, I would expect they move some of them in trades, but I would expect that they will add six or seven guys to the roster. You know, you are in a scenario where they could move up to get guys they target. But, you know, you've seen last year they got Jannard Avery in the fifth round. They got Callaway in the fourth round. So I and Dorsey is a scout. So I, he's looking at these guys 
across the board, across the, the entire draft, and he's going to find guys, and not just him, but Wolf and Highsmith and the rest of the front office. Um, I would expect them to not move like the late round picks. And I would expect that they trust their scouts enough to where if they find a steal in the late rounds, they're going to attack it and try to go get that guy. And hopefully it pans out much like guys like Avery and Callaway did for him last year. Uh, the the last thing that uh, John Dorsey talked about was David Njoku. And he really challenged Njoku today and the media uh, to really improve his uh, run blocking. Now, uh, Jake Burns uh, of Brownsville Breakdown said that he definitely improved from uh, year one to year two, and, and he thinks that what Dorsey said is completely overblown. Is that something? Is that a sentiment that you share as well? That Dorsey is overblowing uh, the run blocking part of David Njoku's skill set? Yeah, maybe Dorsey was. You know, he maybe he misspoke and he meant to say that his pass blocking could get better. Um, I mean, if you look at the numbers, Najoku made strides as a run blocker, much like Jake alluded to. Uh, you know, I think it was either Kitchens or Dorsey, or they both said it. they want more consistency out of David. And I would agree with that, especially when it comes to pass catching. And obviously he is making strides in all phases of his game, and he's still only 22 years old. Um, but, you know, I really wouldn't read too much into it. I know that, you know, some people will say, well, Najoku is probably going to be ticked off. I think he'll just use it as motivation and just keep working harder and try to come out and camp and be the best tight end possible. I mean, you look at he's made incredible strides since he got here uh, two years ago. So I would expect 2019 is going to be a big year for Najoku and he's going to have a major role in this offense. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and tight ends another uh, spot that they could go in the first round. Uh, there's a lot of uh, good ones at the top of the draft, and, you know, that could be uh, an interesting uh, take if, if they're able to, to pair a guy uh, with Njoku as well. All right. You know, last on our last episode, our 100th episode, we debuted a new segment. Uh, called four downs and we have four topics uh they're not necessarily always going to be browns related uh sometimes they're not going to be football related but uh they're four topics that we're going to go through uh relatively quickly uh we're going to do this a, a little bit different than last week i'm going to ask uh jack a question and he's going to ask me one based on the the topic and uh we'll, we'll both share our takes on this and then after that we'll get on out of here all right, uh, for first down, Jack, uh, Jason Whitman signed another contract uh, coming out of retirement with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, so he will be back playing next season uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, now, this obviously leaves a, a big hole in the Monday Night Football booth on ESPN. Who do you want to see ESPN replace Jason Whitman with, and should they replace the entire team over there on Monday Night Football? Jack. I'm sorry, I forgot to unmute my oh, mic. Oh, for goodness. <laughs> uh, but I already put it out on Twitter. My replacement for Witten is former Browns left tackle Joe Thomas. Um, if you guys have seen, he's got a new podcast kind of thing out where he breaks down film of 
opponents he's played against and current players in the league. And he's such a expert when it comes to the game of football. I think he would be perfect as a uh, you know analyst on Monday Night Football. He would tell you everything about the game. I just don't think Jason Witten was cut out for that. There's already reports that you know the Cowboys are hoping he becomes a coach and potentially a head coach down the line. Um, I don't think TV is the right spot for him, but uh, Joe Thomas would be great. I would actually like to see them reshuffle the whole booth because I just wasn't a fan of it last year. I agree with you. I think you said Sean McDonough. Bring him back in. Put Joe Thomas in there. And, uh, you know, Nate Burleson. You know, he called some games last year for, I think, CBS and NFL Network. He was good, too. And, uh, you know, no offense to Booger McFarlane, but I would get him out of there and hell put the whole tomahawk crew together and get andrew hawkins on there too he's he's really knowledgeable at the game as well and i like his takes as well you know i i would like to amend my tweet from earlier uh when i said sean mcdonough and joe thomas i would like to add one more that is uh dan orlovsky who's become quite the rising star over on espn breaking down guys i would like to see him uh in that booth as well make it a three-man group and have Joe Thomas and Orlowski uh, break down uh, break down the teams and, and have McDonald actually call the games. Yeah, uh, second down. Uh, former Browns quarterback Johnny Manziel was been barred from the CFL after a breach of contract. Uh, it's been undisclosed what that was exactly. Uh, Anthony, do you think we ever see Johnny Manziel play football again, whether it's in the NFL or in another league? Uh, yeah, he'll, he'll get another job. Uh, I don't know where it's going to be. Obviously, there's a multitude of choices of where he can go. Uh, you have the AFL. I don't think he'll go there. Um, you know, if I had to put money on it, I'll put it on the XFL. And on an outside shot, uh, I think the, the Arena Football League could be pretty interesting. I know that league has kind of been, um, I, I won't say dying, but there's been a, a lack, of, uh, a lacking number of teams in there over the past few seasons. And to, to revive that league a little bit and get some... Uh, publicity you know i wouldn't be surprised if that would be a, a landing spot for him uh i think that style suits him and you know maybe that would be a good place for him instead of the traditional uh, football role yeah that would be interesting the arena league with johnny but uh it, the aaf doesn't make a lot of sense for him right now they're already four games into the season um i think houston has an xfl team so it seems like that would be an ideal spot for him. I know Vince McMahon said he wouldn't uh, put players in the league that have had a criminal background, but I think he's uh, opened that up more. I think there was a rumor about Kaepernick to the XFL. So if they got Manziel, obviously he's a big name. He still has a fan base that loves him. Uh, there was people paying $100 for his autograph a few weeks ago. So um, I'm sure Johnny will play American football again. I just don't know where. All right, third down. Uh, Kyler Murray, uh, who uh, won the Heisman Trophy this past year in college football, uh, has chosen football over uh, baseball uh, for the moment, and he is participating in the combine this week. But uh, there are certain drills uh, that he is not participating in. 
Jack is Kyler hurting or helping himself by not participating in some of these drills and waiting until his pro day at Oklahoma? And I don't think he's helping himself right now. He's actually not doing any of the drills at the Combine. He's just doing the interviews, and obviously this morning he did the medical portion of it. He measured in at 5'10", which was a win for him, according to a lot of the uh, national reporters. He weighed in at 207 pounds, which a lot of people think he put that weight on to prove to people that he is he isn't 185 pounds or whatever he weighed at, at Oklahoma. Um Someone was on with Bull and Fox today, I forget the name, but he said that he's hearing that Murray's not doing very well in the interview process right now, and they're saying he's acting really selfish and he's all about himself, and that's not good for him, especially when he's being rumored to even be the number one pick in the draft, and Kyler's been very odd since this whole uh situation's gone since he won the Heisman and then there was the talk of was he going to play football or was he going to play baseball so um, it's going to be interesting to see how his situation unfolds as we get closer to the draft I do think he goes high but is he going to juggle football and baseball back and forth and hold it over whatever team drafts him Um, I would I'm so glad the Browns aren't in this situation because um, it seems like Murray is becoming a headache, and that's unfortunate because he's very talented. And, you know, he is also another one of uh, Rosenhaus's clients, and you have to wonder the influences uh, that are going on there. And you know, I think a lot of this is really going to open a door for Dwayne Haskins to be the number one quarterback taken in this draft. As he should be. I mean, Murray's talented, but Haskins is definitely the top quarterback in the draft, in my opinion. Um, All right, let's get to fourth down. The Eagles GM, Howie Roseman, uh, announced on Wednesday that the team is not tagging Nick Foles, as it was previously reported. And now it's opening the door for the Jacksonville Jaguars to be the favorite to sign him. Uh, Anthony, are you surprised that the Eagles aren't trying to tag and trade Foles? And do you think the Jaguars are the best spot for him? Uh, I don't know if they're the best spot um, you know maybe I, I don't know what Cincinnati is going to do but that could be an interesting spot uh, you also have uh, Ryan Tannehill on the market as well so uh, or potentially on the market I don't know if they release him yet I think they said that they're going to um, but it, it'll be very interesting to see where they where they go uh, I'm surprised that the Eagles are because I, I think he had an option right for last year of his deal um, if I remember correctly and you know the the Eagles you know we talked about earlier they, they have a lot of cap decisions uh, to make you know they have a lot of high price free agents they have Brandon Graham they have Golden Tate Nick Foles uh, Mike Wallace Lily Nada uh, just some of the guys uh, that they have to resign uh, you know Darren Sproles Ronald Darby who's coming back from an ACL injury and uh, I mentioned him earlier uh, you know, it's very interesting to see what the Eagles are going to do because um, the last two years they, they've faced injury with Carson Wentz, and I would think that they would want to keep Nick Foles around just in case. And you know, you had some of the Foles magic uh, again this past uh, uh, season towards the end of it when they really needed him. So I, I would think that they should keep him as a, a backup quarterback. Maybe they could strike a, a longer term. Um, 
backup quarterback deal uh, with him. Uh, I don't know what that would look for the franchise, but um, I would think that they should at least re-sign him uh, for the length of Carson Wentz's rookie deal, which would be uh, three more seasons after they pick up the team option for the fifth. Yeah, I, I think Foles is definitely leaving. You know, looking at their cap situation, they only have $6 million in cap space right now. And like you said, they have a lot of guys they need to re-sign. Um, we talked about Aguilar. If they cut him right now, they add $9.3 million in cap space. So obviously they have moves that they're going to have to make. They're going to have to try to restructure some guys. Um, they also got to start discussing a potential extension with Carson Wentz. So uh, that'll be interesting. You know, the Jaguars seem like a good fit, but it wouldn't shock me if he goes in division to Washington or, you know, even though the Giants said that they are going to keep Eli Manning, uh, Foles would definitely be an upgrade at that spot. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up and who are going to be the serious suitors for him as free agency is only a week and a half away. Definitely. Uh, all right, that's it for four downs. I think that went better uh, than the last one. I, I kind of like the, the new format that we kind of rolled with this week, and I think we'll uh, keep that for now on where we alternate questions and you know get both of our opinions as I try to uh, speak out a little bit more uh, in terms of my opinions. All right, Jack, uh, is there anything else we need to discuss, or are we getting on out of here? Oh, we're good, man. Let's all get on out of here. All right. Uh, I know you've had a couple busy months uh, to start 2019 over on your website. Uh, you know, you have your views are kind of off the charts, and that's fantastic. You want to tell us uh, what you got going on over there, what you've put out this past week? Yeah. Um, you know, business is booming over at the northcoastsports.com. Uh, you know, a guy we had on the show a couple weeks ago, Jack Duffin, has come on as a Browns contributor at the site. He wrote a great article about Kareem Hunt's contract and why, while he only signed a one-year deal, we may have him for up to three years at a very, very, very cheap deal for Hunt, as talented as he is. So definitely go check that out. I also, like Anthony referenced earlier, I have an article about the whole Perriman situation and uh, I'll have some stuff out next week about, you know, free agency and potential targets at positions of need for the Browns. Um, so go check out the northcoastsports.com. And as always, follow me on Twitter at jmccurrycle. I would imagine that there would have to be a new mock draft coming soon, right? At some point? Yeah, I would think at some point we'll, we'll definitely get another one out there. I haven't put one out since after the Super Bowl, so... Yeah, maybe next sometime next week a new mock will be dropped. Yep, you know a lot of draft boards will be updated after the combine and whatnot. You'll get to see uh, where you know some more projections, uh, guys rise, guys rising, some guys falling. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how things change based on the combine uh, this week. All right, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Jokey J O K I. You can follow the podcast. On Twitter and on Facebook at 1085GridIron. Uh, you can find our podcast on any platform uh, that you listen to podcasts on, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, and Google Play. Um, be sure to subscribe, rate, review our podcast. We absolutely appreciate it. And with all that, as we get on out of here, and most importantly, go Browns.